Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. When, uh, when Hannah and I got married, we moved into a small rental house with a tiny backyard. Our yard was maybe eight feet long, four feet wide, uh, so it wasn't much, but it was the first time in my adult life that I had ever had an outdoor space to myself. And we were excited about that. And so we talked about what we could do with this small amount of grass and asphalt that made up our backyard. We weren't exactly going to put in a pool, you know. Um, So we decided we would try our hand at planting some stuff. Uh, So Hannah uh, very carefully picked out some herbs and some vegetables that would grow well in Texas. Uh, But I only cared about one thing. I really wanted to grow a jalapeno plant. That's the plant right there on the right that my dog Callie is guarding. I also see now that I really need to mow. Uh, But uh, that's all I cared about. That's all I wanted to grow was this jalapeno plant because I used to love all things spicy. And I say used to because during COVID, some of you may remember that we did a, a little show called Spice Chapel. And I would interview our pastors. It's still on the website if you want to watch us in pain. Uh, But I would interview our pastors and we would eat increasingly hot sauces. Kyle is nodding. Hopefully he's forgiven me since then. But uh, I used to love all things spicy. That show kind of ruined it for me for a while. But but I was really excited about this jalapeno plant. I had all these plans of what I was going to do with these jalapenos. And so I made sure to follow everything that I read online. I made sure to water it the right amount and to keep it in the right amount of sun and to tend to it the way that I was supposed to. Well, after all of that work and all of that time, this is what I ended up with. I don't know if y'all can see that, but I grew five super tiny red jalapenos. I didn't even know jalapenos came in red. Uh, I guess I left them on too long or something, but I, they were only an inch at most long, and so I, I assumed that they still needed time. Um, well, to make matters worse, I, I picked these tiny jalapenos, and the plant died like three days later. <laughs> that was the last time I ever tried planting anything. Uh, I learned that I have the opposite of a green thumb. I guess I have a red thumb. Uh, But I learned that I'm a really bad farmer. And so is the man in our scripture for today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull those out. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew today. Uh, We're going to be reading a parable. And this is a parable that is found not only in Matthew, it's also found in Mark. It's it's found in Luke. It's in all of the synoptic Gospels. Uh, But this is the parable of the sower. It's one that you may be familiar with. This is Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him, and he he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, 
And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. If you have ears, hear. Okay, so I want you to imagine that you are a first century person hearing Jesus tell this parable. And up to this point, you have had a hard time following this guy. Because he's saying things that don't make sense. He's saying, pray for those who persecute you. And go and love your enemy. And if someone hurts you, turn the other cheek and let them strike you again. And so you're confused. But finally, he starts a story with something you understand. He's talking about sowing seeds. And and for you and for most of the people that were listening to Jesus that day on that beach, y'all get that. This is what you do for a living, and so you're excited. He's finally going to make some sense. But then he tells you about a farmer who wastes a bunch of his seeds. He threw some on the path, some on the rocks, some on the thorns. And only one place that those seeds ended up was on good soil. And those seeds produced well, but still 75% of the places that those seeds landed were bad. What would you think of that? Let me restate this parable in modern terms so that maybe we can hear it uh, the way a first century audience would have. Imagine you have a sum of money to invest, and somebody tells you that, they, that you should place your investment in four different places. First, put it in VHS players. They're, they're making a comeback. <laughs> Second, buy a bunch of shares of Enron. They're going to do great. And lastly, make a bet that the Dallas Cowboys will win the Super Bowl this year. I say that with pain in my heart. I want y'all to know I love the boys, but to be fair, it's been 27 years. Uh, Anyway, they only suggest one place where your investment might actually succeed. Think about it. If someone told you that, you would balk at it. We would think that 75% of their suggestions were terrible investments. Why wouldn't you just put it uh, on the one thing that was good? Why would you waste so much of your capital? See, that is exactly what those hearing this parable that day would have thought. Because seeds were precious. They were investments. This was your livelihood. This was how you would feed your family. It's how you would make money. And yet Jesus says that 75% of the places this farmer throws his seeds were places they weren't going to grow. The crowd listening would have thought instantly, well, this guy must be terrible at his job. Why would anyone do this? Why would he spread his precious seeds so carelessly and indiscriminately? That's what we're going to be talking about today. See, Jesus uses this parable to call us all to be bad farmers, because bad farmers make really good evangelists. What makes a bad farmer makes a good disciple. This parable is about evangelism, and that term, that idea, has a lot of baggage today. It was misunderstood in its day by the crowd that Jesus is speaking to on that beach, and to be honest, 
Not much has changed. It is often still misunderstood these days. I've had many conversations over the course of my ministry with people who are uncomfortable with the idea of evangelism. They don't know or they are intimidated by the thought of of sharing their faith or telling their story or inviting someone to church. And so here's what I want to do today. I want us to get back to the basics. I want to answer two questions about evangelism and about why Jesus calls us to be bad farmers. And the first and probably the most common question is how? How are we supposed to evangelize? Because let's be honest, we've probably all at some point seen bad examples of evangelism. Maybe you've encountered one of those screaming street preachers who stands on a, the side of a, you know, a, a, a corner and yells at strangers with a cardboard sign. Or maybe you've been out and about one day and you've been handed a condemning pamphlet that describes all the different ways you're going to hell. Evangelism doesn't have to look like that. In fact, I would argue that that kind of evangelism, that kind of proselytizing really, rarely leads people to an actual relationship with God. So how do we share our faith? Because we know, we know we're called to. Jesus gives us this parable, he gives us several others. And then just before he ascends into heaven, he tells the disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations. He gives the great commission. And so we know we're supposed to, but how? You know, I think we overhype this sometimes in our heads. The truth is, it is as simple as just being open. Being open about your faith, telling your story wherever, whenever there is a good opportunity. That's it. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just tell others what God has done for you. Tell them what you've seen him do in your life and in the lives of those around you. You don't have to come up with some perfectly persuasive speech, and you don't have to have some tear-jerking testimony. All you've got to do is tell somebody. Most of you know by this point that I'm a preacher's kid. And when I was growing up, my dad would give the same benediction every single Sunday. He would come down from the chancel, and he would get up in front of all the people, and he would lift his arms, and he would say, go tell somebody about Marvin. And that was the church I grew up in, Marvin United Methodist in Tyler, Texas. Anyway, he would do this every Sunday, give this benediction, and I never thought anything of it. That was until I was serving my first two churches, two little churches in Arkansas, and honestly, I just needed something to say at the end of a service. I didn't know how to close a church service. Uh, and, and so I stole my dad's benediction. I would get up at the, at the close of the service, and I would raise my arms, and I would say, go tell somebody about Cecil Methodist Church. And again, I didn't think much of it. But then, all of these church members started running up to me on Sundays after church saying, I did it. I did the thing. I told somebody. I told them about how beautiful Vicky's song was last week, how it made me cry. I, I told them how powerful communion was for me a few weeks ago. I told them how interesting our Sunday school class curriculum has been, what good conversations we've been having. They took that benediction and they ran with it. 
They went to friends and family and members of the community, and they shared what was going on in their church. And you know what? Some of those people that they told started visiting the church. And some of those people that they told joined the church. See, they they wanted to come to church not because they felt like they had been bullied into faith or because they felt like they had to. They, They came because they wanted to. They wanted to see what all the fuss was about. They wanted to know why people were talking about this this tiny church in the middle of nowhere. And I finally understood why my dad used that benediction every week. He was encouraging people to scatter their seeds indiscriminately. He was encouraging them, he was pushing them to be bad farmers. By having people go into their community and simply share what was going on in their church, Lives were being changed. Disciples were being made. The community, the church community was growing. See, it turns out that that kind of evangelism, people just sharing what God's up to, wherever, whenever, it turns out that kind of evangelism is pretty effective. Maybe that's why Jesus suggests it in our parable. I mean, let's just look back. Clearly, the sower from our story, he didn't formulate some intricate plan. Jesus doesn't tell us that that he wrote out some some long evangelism initiative. He just threw seeds out. He took what he had, and he shared it with the world around him. And in terms of farming, that's a terrible idea. That's bad farming. But it's really good evangelism. So that's what we do. We share our stories. We sling seeds in all directions. Wherever we are, we tell somebody. We tell them what God is doing in our community and in our church, in our lives, personally. It's not complicated, but it is powerful. So that's how. That's the first question people often ask in regard to evangelism. The other question that people often wonder is, who? Who are we supposed to be evangelizing? And again, I think the answer to that is fairly simple. It's whoever you're around. You don't have to go find a street corner and set up with a sign. In fact, please don't. I would urge you not to. Because the best evangelism that that you can do is usually to the people that you encounter just living your life. Maybe sometimes that is someone you don't know. But a lot of times, it's our family, it's friends, it's colleagues, it's the soil you're surrounded by. It's whoever we come across on a given day who needs hope, who needs love, who needs joy, who needs Jesus. Notice again that the farmer from our parable, he doesn't spend a bunch of time on his hands and knees analyzing the dirt before he starts throwing seeds. He doesn't do a bunch of chemical tests and evaluate whether it's the perfect environment for growth. He doesn't discriminate on who gets the seeds. He just throws them. He throws them on the path and on the rocks and on the thorns and on good soil and bad soil alike. And again, that makes a bad farmer, but it makes a really good evangelist. It makes a good disciple. 
See, just like him, we are called to throw our seeds right where we are. Yes, sometimes God may put someone in your path that you don't know. And you may feel a conviction or, or you may sense that there is an opportunity to extend an invitation to church or to share your story or to talk about Jesus. And that is great. That is wonderful. If you feel the Spirit lead you there, do it. But when it comes to who we evangelize, we are missing something if we only focus on people we don't know and we neglect the people that we live and work with every day. We are missing something if we neglect to throw our seeds on the soil that we are standing on. That's why so often in the Gospels when Jesus heals someone, we, we see him send them home. He restores sight to someone who's blind, or, or he casts out a demon, and then he says, go home, go back to your family, and tell them what I've done. Tell your story. I love what Mother Teresa says. She said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Who do we share our faith with? It's the people in our lives. The people right where we are. Just like the man in our parable, we throw seeds on the path, on the rocks, on the thorns, on the soil that we are standing on, the soil right around us. Think about it like this. Over an average lifetime, the average American spends 90,000 hours at our jobs. And then the majority of the rest of that time we spend at home. And so the people that we influence most are the people that we are around most. It's our kids and our friends and our family and our spouse. It's our colleagues and, 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 and our, our neighbors. And research supports this idea. There was, a, uh, there was a study that came out of LifeWay Research a couple of years ago. And they surveyed 2,000 Americans who don't currently attend a church. And they asked them, what would draw you to go visit one? What, what would be the thing that make, would, might make you actually check it out? And these were the results. 23% said that a TV commercial might do it. 23% said a postcard. 18% said a Facebook ad or a social media ad. But 51% said that a personal invitation from a friend or a family member would be enough to get them to go visit a church. That is more than double any of the other results. So what does this study tell us? It tells us that the most effective evangelism by far comes from friends and family members personally making an invitation to church. That kind of evangelism is more powerful than any social media ad or commercial or material or clever evangelism initiative that we could ever come up with. It's the soil that is right around you. It's the soil that you are standing on that is often the most fertile. So first, how do we share the gospel? We tell somebody. Whenever, wherever, we share what we see God doing. And who do we share the gospel with? Whoever's around us. Strangers? Sure. But mostly? Family, friends, co-workers, 
the people, the soil around us, the soil we stand on, that's how and that's who. But there's actually one more question that I want us to answer today. And it is the most important question of all. Why? Why do we share the gospel? Why do we do the often uncomfortable work of evangelism? This week, more than most weeks, I was reminded of exactly why we do it. I went to two funerals this week. One I attended and and helped out with, and the other I officiated. And you know, earlier this week, I had thought that after a week with multiple funerals, in addition to writing a sermon and all the other general work stress that inevitably comes with uh, with the beginning of the program year, I thought that my little empath heart would feel a little down. But you know what? I feel exactly the opposite. I feel hopeful. I feel grateful. You know, at each one of those services, I either got to hear, I got to hear Pastor Kyle, or I got to share the good news of the gospel. And I don't take for granted what an honor that is. See, those funerals were extremely different. Different people, different lives, different ages. But both of them share the same truth. They both have a savior who loved, loves them passionately. They had a God who, who gave his son so that they might have a way to eternal life. And I believe that they are both resting in the arms of Jesus as we speak. That is their truth and it's our truth too. We have a God who is love, who is peace, who is hope, who is joy, who is goodness. That isn't just some set of cathartic words that we tell people who have experienced loss. If those are just words, I don't want this job anymore. But it's not just words. Life has meaning. God has given us a purpose, and God has taken the scariest thing that exists, death itself, and he's defeated it. Why do we share the gospel? Why wouldn't we? How could we not? We have the greatest news in history. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We have ultimate hope. So let's go out and spread that that seed, those seeds indiscriminately. Let's sling it all over the place. On paths, on rocks, on thorns, on bad soil, on good soil. Let's spread it to everyone, everywhere, always. Let's go tell somebody. And let's all be really bad farmers. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you you pray with me? Lord, we confess that there are a lot of us that struggle to share our faith. There are a lot of us that feel like it's, it's hard. It's too hard. We fear not having the right words or saying something wrong or not knowing the perfect theology. Lord, this morning I pray that you would just give us courage, that you would give us tact that your spirit would guide us in this work. Lord, may we preach the gospel with our actions. 
May we preach the gospel with our words. May we preach the gospel with our lives. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.